the ethical rules say in almost every state that we are to presume the client has capacity. Mm -hmm. So every person who comes in wanting to hire us or needing work done, we're to assume that they have capacity. Mm -hmm. And so many times, attorneys do the exact opposite. Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal, and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real life, real-time issues, and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That is right. This is Answers on Aging podcast brought to you every week by your host, Todd Watley. And hey, <laughs> was it sure? I never really know if you're going to introduce just, me. I just throw it to her and she. Um, hey, this is Sarah Scott, your other host That's for right. the Answers on Aging podcast and radio show now. Yeah. We changed the name of our radio show. We mm-hmm. do every week locally um, from one title to match the podcast. So it's all consistent. So if you haven't yet, please check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging. And you can see us live. The, yeah. the outro of this should say that we do the radio show. Mm-hmm. It, it's live on Facebook at Answers on Aging every Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. Central if, time. Central time. And if you do miss us live, you can always go back and watch it. So yeah. you can just get Todd and Sarah everywhere. You can. What <laughs> Lucky more them. could you possibly want? <laughs> it's well, Christmas hopefully. every day. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we crack ourselves up. Oh, wait, before we dive into the episode, you want to tell that joke you told me earlier? I'm usually the one with jokes, and you had a joke. That's a dumb joke. It's, it's a dad joke. Bad. Well, tell it. You're a dad. How much did the pirate pay for his earrings? How much did the pirate pay for his earrings? I don't know how much. A buccaneer. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Welcome, everybody. This is the Answers on Aging podcast, and this is episode number 23. Today, we are going to answer the question, how do I know if my loved one can sign documents? So, this is going to maybe be rocking the boat. This is going to rock the boat a little bit bit because my opinion as an attorney is very reasoned and very researched Mm -hmm. and is different than a whole lot of attorneys out there. So please understand what I'm about to tell you may not be totally agreed upon by other attorneys, but Mm -hmm. they can call me. I can discuss it. I have the ethical research, you know, the ethical rules to back me up. That's right. right. And it's also been in it a while and knows his stuff. <laughs> Plus that, yeah. Plus that. So, um, why is this important? This is important because so many times people are told by attorneys and and others, well, your loved one has dementia and it would be really good if you've listened to our previous shows about 
you know, why you need to sign documents is they need to, it, it would be really good if they signed powers of attorney or trust or whatever, but uh, yeah, they've got that diagnosis of dementia, so therefore they can't sign. Yeah. That is absolutely incorrect. Yeah. Okay. Just this, because yeah. you have a diagnosis of dementia, dementia is not yes or no. It's, it's, it, it starts out very minor and gets progressive to the point that it, it basically kills you that you, you become like a two day old baby. Okay. That it totally eats up your brain and you're not there, but it's a progression. And just because you've been diagnosed, you failed a test or whatever, doesn't mean that you can't sign documents. That's right. So today our episode is going to help guide you and kind of help uh, filter through some of the false conceptions of what it means to have capacity or how do you even start to gauge where your loved one is in their disease process or where you are in your disease process and whether or not you should be a actually executing powers of attorney or signing deeds over to your family or adding people to your bank accounts or whatever the document may be. Um, So hopefully today you will walk away or ride away with a better understanding of how to make that call. Thank you. Yes. So the first thing people need to understand, there is a difference between medical capacity and legal capacity. Mm-hmm. So many times other lawyers, family members have said, oh, her doctor said she's incapacitated, so therefore I'm ab- assuming she can't sign documents. Okay. Uh-huh. The medical determination of capacity is they are very willing to say someone is incapacitated because it makes their job easier. Yeah, it takes the burden off of them for anything. Yeah, basically. they can they can talk to your healthcare power of attorney mm-hmm. and someone who's not slow and doesn't repeat themselves and knows what day it is. They would rather talk to someone else, and so they are very very willing to say this person is incapacitated. Right. That is a medical diagnosis. Okay, a legal diagnosis will say or a determination of legal capacity is at the exact point that this person is signing this document do they meet the requirements to sign documents and Sarah can go for days on this I'm sure but a person with dementia has mood swings has capacity swings Mm -hmm. so many times a person with moderate dementia can be really really good in the morning they wake up they're rested they have food they have medicine they're good Mm -hmm. but come four o'clock in the afternoon they're they have no idea what's going on they're they are truly incapacitated okay so a physician may see this person at four and say yeah they're incapacitated but from a legal standpoint first thing in the morning miss jones knows who she is knows her family knows you know she her, her brain is rested and she can answer questions and do things at 9 a.m that she probably can't do legally at 4 p.m yeah. because of the the issue of fatigue and commonly known as sundowners. So it is up to the attorney to meet with the client 
and assess, does this person basically, and that gets to number two here is it's the attorney's job to determine legal capacity. And I will tell you so many attorneys do this, but they're not, I'm not gonna say trained, because all attorneys are trained the same, but you have to have experience and you have to look at your ethical rules. And I will just tell you real quick, this is a one hour presentation to (laughs) attorneys. And so I'm, I'm bringing this home quickly. But you know, it is up to the attorney to decide, can this person do this? The the ethical rules say in almost every state that we are to presume the client has capacity. Mm-hmm. So every person who comes in wanting to hire us or needing work done, we're to assume that they have capacity. Mm-hmm. And so many times attorneys do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Once they find out this person just has a diagnosis of dementia, they're like, oh, they are incapacitated. They yeah. can't sign documents. And what that means for you is if they can't sign documents for us to have someone to be able to sign documents or make medical decisions, we've, we have to go to court and get a guardianship. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But that typically means more money for the attorney mm-hmm. because they get to put on a suit and go to court and file and do all the stuff attorneys do, which means they make more money. Mm-hmm. But when I push the envelope to say, you know, she may not know what day it is, but she knows this is her son who is an accountant and that he will do his her financial stuff good for her. I'm okay with that. Let's let her sign documents and she's paid a few hundred dollars to get these documents rather Mm -hmm. than a few thousand dollars to have to have a guardianship and she loses her rights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Say it. What? Just relax. Just relax. I get get so, this is one of my huge soapbox. He's like red faced right now, (laughs) y'all. I mean, yeah. So anyway, um, it's one of those issues that I do get adamant about because attorneys don't do this correctly. They are not letting clients do documents that they need to do because they have this assumption that a diagnosis means they're incapacitated. That is absolutely not the case. You were to look at the client at that point in time and the ethical rules even say we should facilitate capacity, do things to help the client. If a client is on morphine, Uh they have cancer, they have pain, they're on morphine and they're drugged out. How about we not give them morphine next time? Mm -hmm. Yes, they're going to be in pain, but they're going to be alert and they can answer questions. Mm -hmm. This, this person every other day of the week may be incapacitated due to morphine, but you take them off the morphine and say, Ms. Jones, who is this? That's my son. Do you want him to do your document, you know, to handle financial Fares for you. Mm-hmm. And yes, please. Okay. Sign this document. All right. Give her morphine. Let's go. Yeah. You know, so it's, it takes some work and the attorney is going to make less money. And so therefore that doesn't happen many times. Yeah. You're really making attorneys sound nasty in this episode. Well, I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of attorneys generally. I'm kind of afraid to ask you talk about guardianship basics next because lord knows how far to think about that i'll be nice so a okay. guardianship is when 
The person cannot sign documents. Yeah. Okay. It is the preferred method of the medical profession because, like I said, it's so much easier to talk to the guardian rather than this ward who's slow and repeating things. And so it's like, just go get a guardianship and life will be good. Well, when you do a guardianship, the ward, the older person, they lose their rights. Mm -hmm. And it's been quite a few years since I went through law school, but I think my job as an attorney is to protect the rights of my client. Mm -hmm. You know, we spend in America, we spend a lot of money to hire defense attorneys and to have a, a jurisprudence system to make sure a person doesn't lose their rights as in going to prison without us going through all of this process. Mm -hmm. But we do it every single day without thinking twice about it for an old person to take away their rights and give it to someone else so that they, um, so that everyone else's life is easier. Spend a little time, take some time, talk to your client and let them tell the attorney, yes, this is my child. This is my spouse. I want them to handle things for me. They don't need to know what day of the week it is. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know who the president is. They just need to know I am giving the power to handle financial affairs with this document, health care issues with this document to a person I know and trust. That's right. Okay. So that brings me to my social worker days in the nursing home. So there's this thing called a BIMS assessment, and it's B-I-M-S. And on the show notes, there will be a link that you can find out more information about it. What's that stand for? It stands for brief interview of, or for mental status. Okay. And so I'm going to give you the test, okay? Oh, wow. I'm going to say three words for you to remember. Okay. Please repeat the words after I have said all three. The words are sock, blue, and bed. Now, tell me the three words. Sock, blue, and bed. Good. Please tell me what year it is right now. 2021. Very good. What month are we in right now? August. Very good. I'm re- so if I were the social worker in the nursing home given this exam, I would not be saying very good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're, right. You're not supposed to give any kind of indication as to whether or not they are correct. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. What day of the week is today? Today's uh, Friday. Okay. And see, I think that's an unfair question because if you live in a nursing home, does it matter what day it is? No. Every day's the same. But I will say, well, we'll go back to that. I'm semi-retired and there's a lot of days, I don't know what day it is. Okay, but like for the month, Mm -hmm. if you get the answer within six days to a month, you get... a point. If you just get it accurate within five days, you get full score. Okay. Okay. So, so I mean, close. Okay. there's some, there's some flexibility there. Okay. Okay. So now let's go back to an earlier question. What were those three words that I asked you to repeat? Oh, geez. Um, you don't look I'm at not. my screen. Sock, uh-huh. blue, bed. Very good. So you've got a perfect score, which is a 15, okay. which means that your mental functioning is intact. 
That's good to know. That's questionable. Since I'm practicing law. (laughs) (laughs) But just to give you an idea of... um, It is very brief. I mean, it's it's just a quick... It's very brief, but for um, residents who can't verbally answer questions you can do it like with a white erase board okay um and you can also ask the staff is this person appropriate to be conducting this assessment with and if (laughs) they say no then there's a list of questions that you have to answer that justify whether they are or not really right but basically all this information is put into the mds assessment which is what nursing homes use to bill medicare for for their services that show a really good um, snapshot of that person's whole picture of care and to find out more about the bims you can go to our show notes and follow the link Yay. but i'm happy to report i think Todd has you're, full capacity. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Based on this test, I'm sure Based if, you, if you did some more testing, I think there would be some issues. Okay. Well, All right. And that. there is also a um, mini mental MM. MMSE. Okay. So that's the mini mental status exam, right. which yep. the BIMS replaced oh, in really? nursing homes. Okay. Um, gosh. Between, I'm wanting to say, Oh, nine and 2011. I was at a conference one time and a, the speaker said that attorneys should be given that test. And I was <laughs> like, oh my God, no, 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 no. That's, That's when you draw the face of the clock and yeah. all that. I mean, it's. Yeah. We yeah. are not equipped to. Um, draw the face of the clock. Yeah, it's just, well, no, to. to <laughs> you're being ugly and I'm trying to be serious. I'm sorry. To give that test. I mean, that, that. That takes some training, some recommendations, but yeah, yeah, they're just handing it out saying, hey, if you think your client's incapacitated, give them this test. Uh-uh. I was like, that's the worst advice. So anyway. Yeah, and to have an attorney, uh-uh. yeah. no, that's incredibly, I would almost think threatening. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got a pretty good understanding now, hopefully, or we've given you a pretty good understanding of just some basics for how do I know if I should be able to sign documents or if my loved one is? But if after learning all of this information, Todd, the the listeners are still like, okay, what are maybe two, three, four things that without a doubt these people that are in question need to be able to do? Mm-hmm. Do you have any sure. top like yeah. four or five, three? Yeah. And- you know, number one is go to an attorney who is motivated to do this the right way. Okay. And I will just say there's a lot of attorneys who aren't. So going into this meeting, the the client at their best, and it's okay to manipulate their drugs or their sleep or their the time of day to make sure that you get the client at their best. That is within our ethical rules. So at the best point of their day, can they name the people that are important to them? Spouse, kids, caregiver, you know, can they say, yes, that is Bob, my son. Yes, that is Carrie, the caregiver. Okay. Um, And then can they basically understand the power that they are giving away? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Carrie is my caregiver, but she's really good with money and finances, and I want her to be my 
financial power of attorney because my other kids live a long ways away. I trust her. I've known her her entire life. I want her to do my, and you don't have to say that completely. Just like, yes, I trust her and I think she will do a good job. Okay. I may not know what the day is. I may not know what month it is. I may not know who the president is. That doesn't matter. It's, I know this is Carrie and I want her to handle my financial affairs. Right. And then, but so many of our listeners may have family members who have lost the ability to speak either because they've had a stroke Mm -hmm. or um, Parkinson's often Mm -hmm. debilitates your ability to speak. And so, Hopefully you can write. Okay. Okay. So it's like, please write down the name of this person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Write down. And and then basically the rest of it's just yes or no, you Mm -hmm. you know, and um, do you trust this person? Yes. And, and many times you can look in a person's eyes and know if they know what they're, they're answering, you know, and you just, you have to be motivated to do the right thing and you have to be willing to do the right thing. And, put fees behind you and do what's right. Because like I said, guardianships are very lucrative to some firms. They do a lot of them and it's a, it's more lucrative than doing a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And you will get some attorneys who get that wrong. I'll just say it. Okay. I know. Don't start turning red faced again. Just relax. I'm good. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank you guys so much. We hope that this helped you understand um, and kind of simplify how to determine if you or your loved one can sign documents. And we, as always, super are super appreciative of you listening, sharing, learning, and applying all the information. That's right. That's what it's there for. That's right. Join us next week. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy to find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about this episode, visit AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the show notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging, to catch a live feed of their radio show every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please, let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family. 